Welcome to the CBA Grain Exchange Podcast. This is your host, Luke Beckman, Grain Sales Manager for Central Valley Ag. During this podcast, we dissect the latest USDA updates and discuss other key market features. Every month, you will hear from different members of the CBA Grain Team on what trends we are seeing in the marketplace and solutions to current marketing challenges. Welcome back, everybody, to episode number 48 of the CVA Grain Exchange. We're excited to welcome Alan Brugler back to the Grain Exchange. We had him on in August of 2022 to discuss the August WASD at that time. He is the president of Brugler Marketing and Management. Alan, good to have you back. Hey, it's great to be here. Markets have been uh, really different you know, since we had you on 12 months ago, uh, well, 14 months ago. It's uh, feeling like a very different market as we look at these prices. We look at the structure of the spreads, uh, just a tale of two different years as we get you back here. Yeah, it's, it's totally different. You know, of course, in between there, we had a we had a bit of a, a bull market going on. Uh, we last fall, of course, we were we were looking at very tight supplies in a Western Corn Belt because of the drought. And uh, you know, we had an inverted market. You had very strong basis bids. Uh, this year, we're looking at a, a potential record U.S. national crop, and uh, things have improved a bit out here. And as a result, you you you're not going to a carrying charge market. You're trying to uh, allocate that 15 billion bushels over time, and uh, it's a different market environment. Yeah. Well, let let's get into that and uh, get your thoughts just on how a producer is going to navigate that. Let's start with the WASDI numbers, though, that were out uh, on November 9th. Uh, this is the final production estimate uh, of this calendar year. We'll see their adjustments and kind of their final numbers uh, in January, but we do not get production estimates for the U.S. crop in December. Um, so kind of an important set of data that we saw in the November numbers. I'll just give kind of some highlights here and then get your reaction Alan, but uh, the surprise probably in the corn market was that the crop did get bigger. Yield was bumped 1.9 bushels per acre to 174.9. That compares to a 173.4 a year ago. So crop uh, yield-wise larger than last year. And of course, we're dealing with quite a few more acres. Um, So uh, production was bumped 170 million bushels as a result. Uh, With the bump, the USDA felt empowered to bump our demand category. So feed and residual was bumped by 50, ethanol by 25, and maybe a bit surprisingly, exports were bumped by 50 million bushels as well. So total demand went up 125 million, was not enough to totally offset the supply adjustment. So carryout went higher by 45 million bushels to 2.156 billion. Uh, Stocks to use ratio is just a shade under 15%. Uh, Globally, Uh, No massive revisions, but we did see uh, like Ukrainian production estimates for new crop up a million and a half tons, uh, Russia up 1.4. We see exports bumped marginally for both Russia and Ukraine as a result of that. They did hold Argentina and Brazil steady on the corn side. So, Alan, just as you look at yesterday's data, uh, there was a lot that they did provide, but what stuck out to you? Well, I, I think the big surprise, obviously, was the the yield bump. The trade was looking for a little higher yield. And, you know, we we knew that uh, when the combines ran, some of the fields were were better than the producers had expected they were going to be. You know, there's a lot of drought tolerance built into this this uh, genetics now. But uh, yeah, the the export side of things, I think, uh, makes sense. The USDA uh, lowered the cash average price ten cents a bushel. 
And basically their, their, their methodology is if you got 170 million more availability, you're going to have at least a hundred million more in consumption price will be the regulator there. And, and so what you see is, uh, you know, they're looking for an improvement in the, in the export sales versus what they were looking at a month ago. I will point out that we, uh, uh, are running ahead of year ago by about more than 22% on export inspections year to date. Uh, last year was really bad, but uh, you know, that allows them to to have higher numbers than a year ago. They just went a little further with that yesterday. Do you feel confident in exporting over 2 billion bushels? I mean, gun to your head. I mean, I, I understand the, the logic by the USDA that, yeah, we're, you know, we're increasing the crop size. So uh, price, generally would be lower. We should be finding some demand uh, in that scenario, but your thoughts and confidence on uh, We have a really narrow window. Okay. Mm -hmm. We still have the overhang from the Brazilian record winter crop, which they harvest in July. Uh, primarily uh, you, you see a record large Brazilian exports, September and October and probably November for them. Uh, so the world doesn't really want our export shipments that badly right now. Uh, will be the dominant supplier this Jan, Feb, March, I think, and and probably into April, actually. Uh, and that's where we've got to make the bulk of those sales. Whether we can whether we can hit this new number from USDA is probably contingent on the second crop Brazilian production, uh, which of course won't be planted until March. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you're you're looking for a big fourth quarter to to get to 2.1 billion or 2.075 or whatever the final number is. Uh, that's 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 beyond our ability to forecast right now. It's still contingent on how how quickly the first crop beans come off and they're just being planted. Sure. And we'll get into the South American discussion a little more on weather, uh, maybe when we talk about beans. But I think marketplace certainly been chattering about maybe some drier conditions in northern Brazil uh, that may be causing some complications. But looking back at, uh, you know, the U.S. for the numbers yesterday, Alan, uh, I'm just looking at the state yield adjustments as we kind of go through here. Um, anything worth talking about there as we look at state yield adjustments and maybe some regional supplies and uh, how that plays out? Well, I, I think the they did lower lower Nebraska for corn and beans, uh, but they bumped up the Dakotas uh, in general, overall. And the uh, on the corn side of things, you had Illinois up three bushels, uh, Indiana up three bushels from the previous month. You know, those are fairly big acreage states, so that uh, you know that that's going to make that eastern supply even larger. And it was already looking pretty pretty high with record uh, average yield for Indiana and Ohio this year. Uh, so Eastern Corn Belt basis will be, be a little softer, I think, because of that. The, the West is better than it was a year ago, but you're not looking at record yields here. Nebraska was still down. Uh, Iowa is not a record either, though they did bump it up one bushel yesterday. But, um, you know, there were, there were clearly some dryness problems in Iowa that, that took the top end off there. Yeah, you mentioned the kind of the eastern corn belt being um, seeing some record yields and and maybe some more defensive uh, basis values. The east also driving uh, the board spreads, you know, and you had mentioned carry spreads kind of in your opening comments. So different situation for the farmer this year and maybe in how they manage that. So maybe just get your thoughts on that if you're a producer sitting here just got done with harvest, you're in the late stages of harvest. Um, how should they be reading this thing? And maybe what are some actionable things they could be thinking about with uh, grain marketing? 
Well, I, I think, you know, relative to basis and spreads, you have a couple of things you have to look at here. Uh, one thing that's uh, also different from the last couple of years is inflation. Okay. What's your, what's your cost of carrying that grain? Okay. If you've got an 8% operating loan and $5 corn, you know, that's the simple interest. That's 40, 40 cents a year, right? It's actually compounded. It'd be a little bit more. Uh, you've got, uh, and that's that's double what it was a couple of years ago. So there there you have to have more of a carry to justify continuing to hold the grain. Uh, historically, we've done some research that says that most years the the board price or the cash price, the national average cash price will get above the harvest plus carry uh, by February or March. So there's usually a window there where it does pay to store. But again, you are fighting an uphill battle here. And just the fact that March is above above D's or May's above March doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make money by storing it if you've got that opportunity cost, whether that's paying off a loan or putting it in the bank at a 6%. So I think you're a little more pro in, in either trying to create storage hedges or uh, alternatively selling the cash when you get some basis improvement and then uh, replacing that with call spreads or something of that nature. Uh, the uh, I mentioned in, in our, uh, our fall conference or winter conference that I did with you guys in, in Omaha, we're in a short crop, long tail situation too. Typically after you have a 10 year high in prices, you're going to get uh reduce consumption and, and uh, a production reaction and increase in production out of that. And we're definitely seeing that right now. So you're, you're also fighting a, 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 a rear guard action against prices going back to the long-term average. With that in mind, Alan, uh, we've had some conversations with producers. They seem to be more uh, in tune with uh, 2024 uh, generally maybe being a little bit proactive. Do you have any thoughts for the listeners on uh, a producer that might be considering their 2024 marketing plan? I know that's a year out and we're worried about the unsold bushels that are in the bin now, but um, thoughts on uh, Dece 2024 specifically? Well, so far Dece 2024 is still holding above five bucks, uh, courtesy of the, uh, that board carry. Uh, I think uh, the market's a little bit nervous about losing acreage uh, for 2024. The soy corn uh, ratio is over 2.5 to 1, which favors a swing from corn to beans. Your crop rotations probably favor a swing from corn to beans because we did do 94 million acres of corn last year. Um, so I, I think these corns holding up fairly well because of those factors. Um, we've been reluctant to, to do a lot of forward pricing on these, but again, Short crop, long tail. If you're going to go back to 420 or 430 a year from now, uh, you know a five dollar or 520 type type board sale is is a good sale. Now, do you do it as a forward contract or 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 a, uh, some kind of board hedge? Uh, that's going to depend on your local basis and your your storage capacity and some other things. I would point out that anhydrous fertilizer has gone up over the last several weeks here. Uh, you know, we, we actually got below year ago values for a while there. Uh, if you're locking that in, if you're trying to do some long-term contracts on, on the inputs uh, and $5 works for you, you know, and that's a profitable level, then, you know, having a few, a few contracts locked in is probably not a bad idea just to, to protect your inputs. Makes sense. Makes sense. 
Very good. Let's uh, let's flip over to the soybean side of things. Um, similar conversation there and want to get your thoughts, Alan. Uh, this was maybe a little more surprising to the marketplace yesterday. We did see a uh, 0.3 bushel per acre bump to the national yield from 49.6 to 49.9. That increases production 25 million bushels. And we saw them hold the line on uh, any demand adjustments, uh, a 1 million bushel uh, reduction in residual demand, but overall ending stocks up 25 million bushels from 220 to 245. Our stocks to use ratio now at 5.86%. Uh, when we look at the domestic balance sheet globally, um, some minor revisions here. Brazil's crop from last year bumped 2 million tons to 158, just uh, a monster. And uh, we did see Chinese uh, domestic crush go up 1 million tons and some other inventory type adjustments to their numbers. On the new crop side of things, uh, Chinese domestic crush also bumped 1 million tons from 97 to 98, otherwise pretty quiet on the 23-24 adjustments globally. So um, I'll just pause there and Alan, get your thoughts on the bean numbers from the November WASD. Well, the, the as you point out, we did raise the carry out a little bit, so 25 million bushels. So the, things are just a skosh looser than we were looking at a month ago, but that's still a fairly tight stocks usage ratio. Uh, and, and I'll put it in perspective this way. The, the bean markets got, got to be a little defensive because combined South American production, I'm just talking about Brazil and Argentina here, not some of the other countries, but uh, combined production in those two countries is currently estimated to be 1 million, or I'm sorry, 1 billion bushels more than last year because Argentina is coming back from a drought. They're getting some rain now. They're expecting at least trend line yield. And Brazil's looking at a 2 two plus percent increase in acreage this year, trend line yield there at the moment. Uh, the point is uh, that's a, a billion bushel increase in supply, regardless of what the U.S. does, assuming the, the weather allows it. And we'll get back to that. The uh, But to where I'm trying to tie this together with the U.S. balance sheet is, let's say that the, that, that uh, billion bushel production doesn't happen, that they miss by 10%, okay? Either uh, fewer acres or below trend yield. That 100 million bushels can't come out of the U.S., okay? We just don't have that much extra inventory. If you took 100 million off of that 245 carryout, you're below pipeline supply. You're below the what we think is the theoretical minimum for the U.S. So, uh, you know, that's where the price gets interesting. If, if Brazil and Argentina can't make that recovery from the drought last year uh, combined, then uh, you know prices get really interesting here because we just don't have the inventory. Uh, we do know that the inelastic demand, the crush demand, is going up. Okay, we, we're uh, we're finishing new new crush plants, uh, at least two of them this this quarter, and they're they're fifty million bushel a year plants. And then we know that there's several others coming online in twenty twenty four. So, uh, you know, our take is. U.S. exports for beans are going to decline over time because the crush industry is going to intercept those beans and keep them here. But uh, if the world needs them and we don't have extras to sell, then then it gets really interesting on price. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting to think about that with, you know, crush capacity starting to come online. And as you mentioned, things are already tight. The USDA has really gotten in front of this thing, I feel like, ever since you know, the May numbers came out and every month thereafter, they've been pretty proactive in cutting U.S. export demand for this crop year. Uh, just as we saw the acreage 
numbers unfold at the end of June and not as many bean acres there. And I mean, so they've been proactive with this and it feels like, gosh, how much more can they cut, you know, from export demand is kind of a question I've asked myself, you know, as we've gotten into the late stages of summer and that number just kept getting smaller. Do you have any thoughts on that, Alan, on, you know, how much more could they cut if this export program really does struggle and maybe no massive issues out of South America? Well, again, that uh, it's a combination of the domestic demand rising and just basically pulling market share away from exports because the the crusher's always got a freight advantage, okay? Uh, and the crusher's also got a subsidy advantage. I mean, if you look at uh, soybean oil between the, the California carb credits and the RIN values and the the dollar uh, virgin oil credit. I mean, there's there's a tremendous uh, subsidy there that uh, when you're comparing it to foreign buyers. But the flip side of that is that, uh, yeah, the Brazilians and Argentines are trying to ramp up their production. They're adding acreage every year. So, you know, if everybody's doing their, their job and getting their production, I think you will see a gradual switch away from uh, U.S. bean exports, uh, you know, the, the South Americans will, will get the the the, uh, the raw bean exports. The U.S. will have more product. If we get more crush, we'll end up with more meal exports just because we got to get rid of the stuff. The uh, uh, For this current year, can we can we lose? Yes, we're underperforming on export sales right now. Uh, you know, we're running a very, very close to the trade war lows in, in terms of our export commitments year to date. And, uh, you know, we're, we're priced, uh, uh, above both, uh, want to rephrase that Brazil's still cheaper than us on soybeans, even though they're getting towards the end of their, of their, uh, supply curve here. So, uh, that makes it a little hard to sell. I think you will see some big Chinese export purchases here for the next couple of months. Uh, they need to buy, and a lot of people don't understand this, they need to buy almost 2 million metric tons a week uh, from the world market. Uh, that Their projected imports are over 100 million tons a year. Uh, if they're not buying from Brazil, they should be buying 2 million tons a week from us. And uh, we, we've seen that here in the last week or so. We've seen several major sale announcements because the Brazilian supplies are running out. Argentina doesn't have any until harvest because of the drought last year. Uh, that they want to export any any meaningful amount anyway, and so you've got yeah, there's some risks that our our export number drops a little bit. But the flip side of that is USDA's only got crush up about 100 million bushels year over year, and that's basically just the, the plants that we have coming online this fall. If if you get some of those other plants operational in 2024, that USDA does not have them in the crush figure right now. Sure. So you might you might just swap out less exports for more crush. Okay. Well, knowing that, a uh, similar question on beans here, as we asked for on corn, you know, producers have their beans pretty well uh, wrapped up. Uh, thoughts on just how you approach this market uh, if you have unsold bushels as a producer? Well, uh, some some similar concerns to what we talked about on the corn. You know, carrying costs are higher because interest rates are higher. Uh, we do still have the short crop long tail. We have a head and shoulders top on the on the monthly chart on soybeans, but uh, we did a, a a good thing here in the last thirty days and went back above the neckline. So it's not not fatal yet, if you will. Uh, I, I historically it has not paid to forward contract uh, no beans for new crop uh, for twenty four in this sepoc no window of twenty three. Usually the market gives you a better opportunity. 
during the, the, the growing season than what you get a year ahead of time. Uh, and certainly in beans, we, we, we don't have the carry setup that we do in corn. Uh, so I'm, I'm not that interested in selling 24 beans here. We, we did do a 10% increment for our, our clients, but that's, that's just basically uh, the base of a scale-up program, we hope. You know, if you got beans in the bin, uh, again, you, you're, you're trying, you want to do a storage hedge if you can, or at least a, some kind of minimum price agreement, you know, because we are historically the third highest ever for national average cash price for this date. All right. These are still the good old days from a, from a cash bean standpoint. Are you buying into the South American weather concerns at this point? I mean, just to go along with the, you know, your thought there just on the beans and finding a storage hedge and, uh, can we get some legs under this thing? I mean, you already, you already advertised that the carryout's pretty tight and Hey, with the right conditions, you said, I think interesting was maybe the word you used. So, um, too early to get excited about that. Well, because things are tight, there's, there's a, a real tendency to want to push that story, right? Okay. We're going to hype this because, Hey, things are tight. We should be worried and prices should be higher. Uh, but it is early. Okay, uh, the, the thing you have to remember, particularly with regard to Mato Grosso, which is the largest production state in Brazil for beans and corn, too, for that matter, uh, that's close to the Amazon. They get close to 60 inches of rain in a normal year, okay, as opposed to 30-something in Nebraska and Kansas. So, uh, you know, drier than normal down there does not necessarily mean, hey, we're not getting any rain or that we're, we're in a drought situation. They do have a looser soil type, a sandier soil type. It doesn't hold moisture as well. So they do kind of need that regular rain, particularly during the, their summer, which is the growing season we're in right now. Uh, yeah, so short short answer, we're probably a little ahead of the curve here. Uh, they're not going to have, typically with this with the summer crop, they're not going to have frost concerns in, in the north, uh, you know, the Mato Grosso Goyas area. Uh, the, the implication of being late planted and they're not really that that late is just they harvest later and maybe the second the second crop corn doesn't get in. Paraná, Rio Grande do Sul down in the south, those are the number two and number three production areas for beans. They're a little more susceptible to a to a, a frost freeze scenario if they get too late on on maturity. But that's again, it's way early to, for that. Well, something to monitor. Uh, I think producers have latched onto that story and the marketplace seems to as well, but uh, a little bit of wind out of the bull sales here uh, yesterday, just with the yield bump in the beans, but uh, have responded. Okay. Uh, maybe to finish that session and we'll see how things go as we uh, get into the back half of November and approach the, the holiday stretch. Well, Alan, uh, certainly appreciate your time. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. Always good to talk to you and, uh, uh, take a peek behind the curtain on your expertise uh, and share your thoughts with our listeners. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and, uh, you know, wish everybody a, a successful post-harvest as, as it were here. It uh, takes a little time to recover from all those hours in the combine and the, and the tractor. But uh, again, uh, the good thing is these are not, these are not the, uh, the COVID low prices and, uh, it, it, it's, it's, you got money to manage here. Let's, let's try and do a good job of it. That's right. That's going to wrap it up for us uh, on this episode of the CVA Grain Exchange. We'll be back in December as we take a look at the December WASD. Until then, stay safe. 
Thanks for listening to the CVA Grain Exchange. Stay up to date on all things CVA Grain by signing up for our grain emails at cvacoop.com slash grain or follow us on social media at Central Valley Ag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next month, and until then, stay safe.